to talk about walking in the light. We have a great God, and he is our light. You know, in this world today, we we understand what it is to see darkness around us. We can see sin, but I can remember days that you'd go camping, and you go outside, and it would be dark. You have a little tent, there might be a fire there. Luckily, you have a fire, one of those old Coleman pump-up lanterns to, to give you some light to see where you're going. Or maybe you're hiking on a trail in the dark and you need a little bit of light to shine to see exactly where to go. Our world is filled with darkness, but there's light in it, amen? And that light shows us where we are to go. If you would take your Bibles this morning and open them to the book of First John, it's toward the very back of your Bible. I think you have Revelation and then Jude and a couple of back will be First John chapter 1. And as you're turning there, we, John that wrote, the Gospel of John wrote this. He was writing to encourage believers to be able to step up, to walk through the world they were in. You know, they lived in dark times just like we did. Often we, we pull ourselves and put ourselves in what we think is a dark time, but I can't imagine what it was as the gospel was just beginning to spread around. And uh, I think I shared with Nicole, it amazes me, I, I say this often how the Lord works, that what we've been talking on on Wednesday night seems to be overlapping on what we're talking about on Sunday mornings, which seems to be overlapping with where I'm reading in the Old Testament, just to see how all the Bible comes together. And it gives us an image, it gives us a picture of who our God is and how much he loves us and who we are. And it helps us to understand that we are uniquely designed by him and for him. If you would take your Bibles with me this morning, now that you have them open, would you stand with me as we read 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. It says, this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin... We are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Father God, this morning, Lord, we do come to you. Father, we acknowledge your greatness and your holiness and your power. Father, we acknowledge you as the creator. And Holy Spirit, I must now call on you as the one who resides in us as we are a temple of God. That you would open our eyes and that you would illumine your word to us today. Father, you would tune our ears into you and Holy Spirit, you would speak to our hearts. And Father, may we hear from you. And Lord God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your son Jesus. Amen and amen. 
As we begin this morning talking about walking in the light, I hope you have a bullet in there. I don't have too many blanks for you today. But the first thing I want us to look at is the life of creation. The life of creation. It tells us in verse 5 that this is the message we have heard from him, from Jesus, and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That little sentence has a lot punched into it. A lot of power explaining that God is light. Well, what is light? What does John mean by light? If we want to understand what he's talking about, uh, we can go back into the gospel of John and we can begin to look at how he used the word light there. And you'll see it oftentimes that light there is referring to life. And I believe we could say that, that God is life. Amen? We see over in the book of Genesis 1-1, that in the beginning God, what, created the heavens and the earth. He had light, it tells us there. And in there, we go through and he created the light. He created the plants, which are what? Living. He created the animals, which are what? Living. And then lastly, he created man. And that was the special one. That's the one that come and brought everything together. And not only did he create man, but it tells us in scripture that God breathed life into man. You see, we're different as humans. We were uniquely designed from all the rest of creation. All other creation has a life cycle. You're born, you live, and you die. That goes for plants and animals and humans. But God physically breathed life into us. And it's telling us that he is the life of creation. He is light. But it also says that in him there is no darkness at all. There's another key word we need to to look at this morning is darkness. And when we see darkness often referred to, we we see death, we see sin, we see separation. You see this God is light is not only life, but it's telling us about his holiness. Amen? God is all holy. In fact, he's so perfect and so holy, it tells us that in him there is is no darkness at all. He's double dipping there, making sure we understand God is light. But if you notice that in your text there, it says that God is light. It doesn't say that God is the light. And there is a difference because God is light. He is the source. He is what life is. He is the whole sphere of life and light. And in him, it says there cannot, there is no darkness whatsoever. You know, we could take this room and we do our best on uh, Christmas Eve to do this and to get it as dark as possible. And you can take this room and black it out to where you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And we would call that darkness, amen? There's no light. But then we take and light one candle, just one And the whole room lights up. You see, when light enters in, it dispels the darkness. And our God is light. But he goes on to to give them some warnings and some instructions. And he begins to tell us that the darkness of deception. That's your second point there. I want you to get the darkness of deception. There is a darkness that comes when we begin to try to deceive things. And what we have to understand, 
Because when I first read this, I was like, great, he's talking to those lost sinners out there in the world. Amen. You know, they're all around us. But then I began to read the words that John wrote. Listen to this in verse 6. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. What is the importance with the we? John was a believer. He's writing to believers. He's not talking about those who don't yet know Christ. But there becomes a deception at times in the life. And let's look at this. The first thing we see in this darkness of deception is there is a downward spiral to deception. When someone begins to try to deceive, it doesn't just stay right there. It begins a spiral all the way down. And I want you to notice the first thing we see is there when those who try to deceive those around them. Take a look at verse 6. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say that we have fellowship with God and we come around our fellow Christians And we say everything is fine, we're fellowshipping, we're walking with God, but yet we're walk in darkness. That walk is a present, a continual action. If we continue to allow the darkness, if we continue to allow the same sin to rule in our life, it begins to take us over and it begins to master us. And it's easy for a believer to have the Outward appearance of everything's great. I walk with the Lord. I read my Bible. uh, Everything's going great. When at times there can be a sin in our life that begins to stay there. And it becomes unconfessed. And we begin to cover it up. And we begin to not let it be known. And it says in the walk in that darkness we lie and do not practice the truth. When we do that. When we put on airs or we put on appearance. We begin to deceive those who are around us. But you know, the deception doesn't stop there. Once we do it, it begins to affect us. And before long, church, even a believer can begin to deceive themselves. Do you see this downward spiral? They begin to deceive themselves. Look at verse 8. It says, If we say that we have no sin, We are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say that we have no sin, if we say that there's nothing wrong with us, there's no sin. You know, there are people out there who believe they have no sin in their life. They have no guilt against God. You see, when we sin, that sin in the Greek is the word harmatia, which means to miss the mark you see we began with God is light God is our standard and when we don't match up to the standard church we have sin in our life the Bible doesn't list every exact sin there is but it gives us all the categories and all the things that every sin falls into and I promise you and you can throw tomatoes or whatever at me each one of us has sin in our life 
Even as a believer, when God came, his son died on the cross, he paid the price, he paid the penalty for our sin, and as believers, we have a relationship with God, and we are in that relationship, our sin has been paid for, that penalty, but we still have a flesh to us. It says that we're given a new nature, and actually, believe it or not, we have been freed from the bondage of sin. But yet we still have a tendency to go back to sin. We still at times let sin step in and there is sin. And if we say that we don't have it, you see when we begin to deceive others, there's something in our life that God says is sin. And we begin to tell other people that we don't have that sin in our life. Before long, we're going to not even begin to see that what we're doing is sin. But it goes on down even deeper than that. And it becomes to a point that we begin to deceive or think that we're deceiving God. Look there at verse 10. It says that if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, we make God a liar because we can turn back to the book of Romans Chapter 3 and verse 23, what does it say? For all, I wish they would have took big bold letters, maybe made it a bigger font in all capitals. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all missed that mark. We've all sinned and it's there. And if we say that we don't have sin, we're lying to those around us. We're lying to ourselves and we're calling God straight to his face. You're a liar. And let me tell you what, I don't want to be the one to do that. You see, there is a downward spiral to this darkness of deception. And I'd have to say that believers who have reached this point are in serious trouble. Because what happens when you don't hear that? Your heart begins to grow dull and you no longer hear from God. You see, you're in a bad situation because you've become a liar. You've lied to those who are around you. The Christians who are helped to encourage us, to come alongside us, you've lied about who you really are. Not only do you deceive those around, not only are you lying to those around, but you're lying to yourself, which puts you in a situation that you don't want to repent. I've not done anything wrong. I mean, how many of us want to say we've done something wrong when we hadn't? I mean, you hear every convict that goes before a judge, I'm innocent. Whether they are or not, nobody wants to be guilty. But we come in a dangerous place and we don't realize that we have guilt before a holy God. That we don't have sin in our life. And then we're calling God that liar. But, you know, I want to give you just three quick things. There is the loss. I said this was a downward spiral. It's the darkness of deception. We begin to walk in an area that we can no longer see. And I want to give you three things that you lose when you begin to deceive those around you that spirals down to you begin to deceive yourself. And that is the loss of the word. The loss of the word of God. What do I mean? There are blessings from God's word. And when we have sin in our life that is unconfessed, it dulls our ears. We can't hear from Holy Spirit. And to be truthful, we don't want to hear. 
at that part from Holy Spirit. Because scripture talks about what does darkness have to do with light. Over in Ephesians, I was just reading, excuse me, this morning in Hebrews. And it was talking about the, the dull to hear. Listen to this. In Hebrews chapter um, 4. Let's see. There we go. Hebrews 5. It talks about the dull not hearing says, concerning him we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles and the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. And it goes on talking about those are milk. We get in a dangerous situation, but not only do we lose the loss of the word, But church, we lose the walk of fellowship with God. You see, when sin is harbored in our heart, we can't hear. We don't want to be around God. And there is also the loss of character. We begin to lose who we are and what God saved us from. Amen. So there is a spiral down effect to the darkness that he's talking about. But what in the world can anything be done about this you would probably answer the same as me because we've been in church long enough yes there is and that is to turn to God the third thing is the light of reception the light of reception verse 7 says but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The light of reception leads us to the light of a relationship. You see, the light is life. What Jesus did on the cross was for us. It gave us life. It gave us eternal life. It tells us that if we walk in that light, if we're walking in him, if we're walking in the life, if we're walking in the commands, we're walking in the obedience and the fellowship because we've repented of our sins, which we must do daily. We must do moment by moment. The moment a sin happens, we need to be able to hear from Holy Spirit, confess that sin, and repent of that the very moment it happens. Because otherwise, it begins to stay there. It festers. And before long, we no longer hear the conviction of Holy Spirit. Even as believers, we can be dull of hearing If we allow it to stay. But we can turn. We can walk in the light. And we can have fellowship with one another. We can have fellowship with our fellow believers. But we can have fellowship with God Almighty. Amen. When we confess our sins before him. How does it happen? It happened. It says in the blood of Jesus. His son cleanses us from all righteousness. God ordained a payment for sin. That was death and bloodshed. And we experience that through Jesus going to the cross. Let me tell you what, there is something special. And there is something powerful about the blood of Jesus Christ. Would you listen to this?
It's all about the blood. That is what changed history. And that is what changed our life. Just as that song says there, the, the blood, the crimson love, price of life's demand. Our life demanded blood. Our shameful sin placed him on that cross and gave hope to every man. Oh, the blood of Jesus washes me. Oh, the blood of Jesus shed for me. What a sacrifice that saved my life. Yes, the blood, it is my victory. What can we do to stop the downward spiral? We go back to the cross where life began for each of us. It tells us there that if we, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We must admit our sin. Church, it's not enough to feel guilty. It's not enough to be sorry. But the Bible says we must confess our sin. And that word confession is from the Greek word homologeo. And I know I don't do this often. I don't really care what the Greek word is. But it's important. Do you know what homo means? Similar to what we've attached to it. We, people use that term derogatory. But homo means same. Homo legeo means that this confession, we are to agree or we are to say the same thing about our sin that God says. And it's calling it what it is, it's sin. If it's pornography, it's sin. If it's immorality, it's sin. If it's lying, it's sin. If it's not doing something God told us to do, it's sin. And a confession isn't guilty because I was caught. It isn't sorry because I was caught and someone told me to say sorry. It isn't sorry because I don't want to pay a penalty. It's sorry because God said it was sin and we must confess it and we must agree with God that it is sin and confess it. That we have sinned and then we ask him for forgiveness and the Bible tells us that he is faithful and he is righteous. He is a steadfast God is that faithfulness is righteous. God has a legal obligation to forgive when we call on him in confession and repentance church and that is the only way that we can walk in the light. A lost person who has never accepted Christ must go to the foot of the cross where I praise God the ground is level. The blood is shed for all and anyone who wants to come. And when they confess their sins before God, he forgives them of their sin, no longer holds them guilty. He cleanses them. And as a believer, we have been cleansed. We're in a relationship. We're walking with him. But yet we still sin. We must go to him and we must confess. And it says that he is faithful and that he is righteous. He has an obligation. He will to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every sin in our life, every unrighteousness, Christ is there to forgive we confess those to him and we bring those to him and we get the light, we get the life of reception because we receive what God has done for us.
and God receives us. Amen? It's a two-way street. You see what God did, God did on the cross many years ago. None of you in here were alive. But do you know what? Every one of you in here was on his mind when he hung on that cross. What he did paid it, but people must receive it. You know, I could have money on this table. I wish I had just thousands and thousands of dollars we could lay on this table. I say, anyone who needed it, it's here, come get it. And you know, that money would do no one any good until they come and received it. God's forgiveness has been bought and paid for, but it knows no one good until they receive it. We must come to him. He offers we receive, and the moment we take that first step, that moment we repent, God receives us and we become one of his children. The moment those of us who are believers sins, we turn right around and we go back to the cross. We confess what we did. God is faithful and he's just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. The hidden sins, confess them all because there's none hidden from him. And he knows that we're all sinners, so there's nothing to be ashamed of. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says this. He who conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. Church, I don't know where any of you are personally in your walk, but have you gotten to a point that you feel like you're not prospering. A life of God is a life of prosper. He blesses and we prosper. Have you gotten to a part in your life where you feel that you're not prospering? Maybe it's, maybe it's because you have a concealed transgression. Maybe you have a sin in your life that you are refusing to repent of. And maybe you have a sin in your life that you're refusing to let go of. You see, we do that. We like to hold on to those. And when we do, it makes us dull and we, we're not walking in fellowship with God the way he designed it for us. And all we're doing is lying to those around us and lying to ourselves because we're not lying to God because he knows. And he's saying, I want that relationship. I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. I want you to be able to walk and enjoy the kingdom of heaven that we live in as believers. But if we conceal a transgression, we will. It doesn't say we may not. It says we will not prosper. If you feel you've hit a brick wall or something in your life, is there something that you're refusing to confess? But it tells us in that Proverbs that if we confess and turn and forsake them, that we'll find compassion. I love our God, church. He is a God of love. Amen. He's a God of compassion. And I have never heard him say... And I will vow standing here that I will never hear him say, no matter how many times we come to him, I told you so, or no, I'm not going to forgive you.